Welcome to the Dr. Katie Show. Free career advice for the people, because everybody deserves a better work experience. Call in to receive free career advice from Dr. Katie Revere, an experienced career coach and organizational psychologist. Dr. Katie has nearly 20 years of corporate business experience across various industries and divisions. She works with individuals, executives, and teams to create innovative, human-centered solutions to improve the workplace experience. Now here's Dr. Katie. Hello, good afternoon, everyone. I am really, really happy to be on the air with you all today. I have a really um, inspiring and wonderful young woman uh, to bring onto the show. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about how to organize your work experience uh, when you have the opportunity to craft it from the start. And uh, um, the guest that we have on the show today is uh, she's uh, really inspiring and hope to um, inspire all of you with her story. But before we jump in, I just wanted to say good afternoon, Eric. How are you today? Hey, good afternoon, Dr. Kitty. I'm doing great. A beautiful Thursday here in the Pacific Northwest, hopefully beautiful down in the Bay Area as well. Yes, we cannot complain about the weather here. It's <laughs> good, good. Perfect and sunny and blue skies every day. It's really lovely. And I know we've got a, a great guest for the show today, but uh, are you still open for taking phone calls uh, from our listeners? Yeah, I think if you've got questions uh, and you have a related ex work experience and you, you want to call in, we're open. Great. Let me give the phone numbers out real quick. It's 425-373-5527 or toll-free 888 298-KKNW. That's 888-298-5569. And people, of course, can email into the show as well. It's Dr. Katie at, one more time, Katie, you'll have to give this to me because I'm blanking right now. So yeah, no, it's uh, doc, Dr. Katie at a better work experience.com. Thank you. D yep. It's D-R-K-A-T-I-E at betterworkexperience.com. And you can email me your questions, concerns, thoughts about your work experience. I know that we're here on this show. We're, we're a pretty new show. I think we're, we just started our third month. So welcome to October, everyone. Uh, this is the third month of the Dr. Katie show. So we're exploring um, all the ways that we can have a more of a conscious conversation about the workplace experience because we all go into our jobs with, um, you know, an understanding of how things might turn out and what we're expecting in our work experience. And then we just sort of like, let it happen to us. Um, but this is a show really encouraging you all to maybe take a second look at what's going on in your work experience, what's fueling you, what's positive in your work experience and what's maybe not serving you so well. And how can you take some thoughtful, practical um, advice from this show to improve your work experience. So uh, for you, like you said, Eric, yeah, we definitely, if, if anybody does want to call into the show today, we're available um, in between our interview. And uh, for example, if you have a horror story, a workplace horror story in the spirit of 
uh, October and the upcoming Halloween holiday. Maybe you have a workplace horror story that she would like to share uh, and get some advice on. Um, or if you have the most amazing boss you've ever had and you'd like to share how amazing they are and what kinds of things make them a wonderful boss. Or on the flip side, if you have a terrible boss and you really, you know, you need some help with that. Uh, yeah. So anyway, those are some things on the top of my head that you could call in for. And I think we're ready. I think we're ready to talk to Anna Mia Kazinson. Did I spell, did I pronounce your name correctly? Yeah, it's Kazitsin. You were close. <laughs> I was really working hard on that one. <laughs> How are you doing today? Welcome to the Dr. Mm-hmm. Katie show. I really appreciate you being on the air as a guest. And I'm sure all of our listeners will enjoy getting to learn about you today. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. So tell me about yourself. Who are you and what are you passionate about? Um, so I am... Mia Kazetsin, as was previously stated. Um, I am a junior at Gonzaga University, which is in Washington State. Um, I am going to school for psychology and criminal justice. Um, I'm also a women and gender studies minor. Um, I am the oldest of three children. I'm the only girl in my family. Um, I am the oldest cousin on my mom's side. So there's a lot of little ones under me, which is fun. Cool. Um, I grew up playing sports, basketball primarily, and then I stopped growing and then it was not fun anymore. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So you're at Gonzaga University and you're studying criminal justice and psychology. Uh, Why are you, why did you choose to study that area and what are you, what are you passionate about? What are those, what are those classes working towards for you? Yeah, so my freshman year of high school, I got to go on this really cool field trip with my um, acting department, and we went to Ashland, Oregon for the Shakespeare Festival, which I highly recommend if anybody's looking for something to do. Um, I then, um, while we were on this trip, I met someone who was uh, also looking, she was a senior and she was looking to go into psychology when she went to college, and she was reading this book about mental disorders, and um I found them very interesting. And so we went into this little bookstore and I found this book about Charles Manson um, called Helter Skelter. And so it's this huge, thick book. And I just devoured that book and then started to read more about mental disorders and things like that. And that's when I got very interested in psychology. Um, And then my junior year of high school, I had the opportunity to do a project about a mental disorder that affects the body physically. Um, So then I was introduced to another realm of psychology. Um, And then that's kind of when it solidified for me that I wanted to study psychology when I went to college. So when I applied, I applied as a psychology student um, immediately. Uh, And then my freshman year of college, I took a women and gender studies class and that opened up this whole new world, um, which is why it's my minor now. So then I decided to take another woman in gender studies class. And in that class, I had another opportunity to write a paper um, and we got to pick something that was going on in the world. And so we had previously talked about um, this theory that's called the school to prison pipeline. So the idea behind it is that kids are being moved from schools into prisons instead of being having their problems dealt with in 
in the school. So things like breaking the code of conduct at school or, you know, missing too many classes, things like that are now being dealt in the prison system instead of in the school system. Um, and so that was kind of like an aha moment for me where all of the things that had been building up kind of made sense. And we're like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is where I'm called to be. This is what, you know, I, all of these, all of these moments of realization have led me to. Um, and so for the past year, um, I've been doing a lot of research and a lot of work with kids in the juvenile justice system. Um, and that's kind of become my passion, um, helping kids who do not have the tools to help themselves, helping kids that have been pushed aside by society um, who, you know, there's this tendency to write people off once they've made a mistake. Like, oh, you did this one thing. You can't, you can't come back from that. Um, and that's not the reality of the situation, especially for young people, because until you, until the age of 25, your brain is still developing and your frontal cortex, which has to do with your decision-making skills is the last thing to develop. And so until someone is 25, we can't truly say that who they are can't change. Mm -hmm. So you introduced some really, um, a concept, um, and you, I think you mentioned it as a theory, but the school to prison pipeline. So I want, can you tell my listeners a little bit about what that is? Because until yeah. I had met you and we'd begin working together, I hadn't heard of the school to prison pipeline. So can you just tell people who are listening, what exactly is that? Absolutely. Um, so there's this idea of the, the tough on crime stance. Um, and when there is the, a lot of, controversy about drugs, there was the tough on crime stance in regards to drugs. So there was different sentencing laws created around how much you had on you and what your intention was with it. And so at first, it primarily had to do with drugs and distribution of drugs. And unfortunately, that idea of tough on crime has trickled down into the schools. So now uh, kids who are getting in trouble for small offenses are um, being dealt with by, they call them resource officers, but it's, it's basically someone who is trained to arrest and deal with someone in the context of the juvenile justice system. Um, so things like, you know, getting in a fight at school that would have resulted in you going to the principal's office and you may be having detention or suspension is now being resulted in handcuffs and being taken to, to juvie. Um, so there's, you know, I've seen videos of children who are have learning disabilities or are autistic and don't understand the ramifications of their actions being put in handcuffs and crying and asking what's going on because they had an inability to sit in a classroom, which um, I think partially has to do with the tough on crime stance, but also has to do with the lack of understanding around learning disabilities and the lack of understanding around um, the capabilities of kids who are, who have a lesser, um, understanding of the situation. Um, there's, you know, a movement towards integration. So putting kids that have learning disabilities into mainstream classrooms. Um, but then those children who have disabilities are treated like the rest of the children who don't have disabilities when there needs to be, not that they need to be coddled or treated differently, but there needs to be more understanding and more patience and more compassion for those kids because they're working on a different level and with a different understanding than the other kids around them. And so there's, there's more and more kids that are getting shifted to 
juvie instead of dealt with in the schools and the likelihood of being an adult offender goes up when there is a juvenile record, unfortunately. Yeah. And I am so glad that you mentioned compassion and how we need to, uh, we as a society can be more compassionate towards, uh, young people and especially with people, um, young people who need special attention or, you know, a different circumstance. I mean, the systems that we do have for schooling are very, um, they're just regular They're and there's intended to serve everyone. So how can, you know, if you don't, if you can't easily conform to that experience at school, you know, yeah, there's going to be some problems. And so mm-hmm. to have compassion in that space and bring awareness to, um, the needs that youth have so they can, you know, basically avoid getting into the prison system from a very young age. I think that's a really powerful place for you to be focusing. Um, and so you're a young woman, you're, you're still in college. You are obviously well, um, informed about this space. And I, you know, obviously I think you have, you told me you have about a year and a half left of college. Yeah. I'm a junior. So about a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So as you think about the kind of work you want to do in your career, um, how are you so far, how are you approaching establishing a career in this field? Um, so I have started to think about it a little bit. It's a little bit overwhelming. There's a lot of options out there. Um, but I have, um, I worked with a program in California. Um, I don't know if I mentioned that at the beginning. I'm from Marin County um, in California. It's right outside of San Francisco, about 25 minutes. Um, and a program there is called Youth Court. Um, and so it's so when a judge gets a a charge on his across his desk, he can either or her desk he they can either choose to send it to youth court or to juvenile court. So youth court is like a step below. So they can, um, it's, it's a, it's a peer based system. Uh, so there's the jury is all students and the, the defense and the prosecution are both students. The bailiff is a student. Uh, the, there's a real presiding judge. Um, but it's, it's very student based and it's focused on engaging kids in the community, um, and keeping them from having a juvenile record. Um, so I've been a part of that program a little bit. Um, I've also been a part of the juvenile justice department here in Spokane, Washington. Um, but I haven't really, because I've only been interested in this for a year, um, and I was out of the United States for six months, um, I haven't really had a whole lot of time to kind of solidify what I want to do. Um, I'm still looking for internships. I'm still looking for programs that kind of fit the idea of restorative justice. Um, so I'm still like putting my feelers out there and looking for things where I feel like I could be the most helpful, not just, you know, stepping into something where there's already a million other people doing that job. Yeah. So the mindset around your, uh, or the approach to building a career in this field 
has been, it sounds like it's been a, a couple ways. One is what are the people and programs that you're aware of that you feel align with the direction for your career? So how, what's, what's your network? What's your network like in this space? What do you already know? And mm-hmm. it sounds like you are aware of one program up in Washington. And then there's another program when in Marin County, where, where you're from the youth court. Mm-hmm. So that's good. So you have, you have a small network, which is fantastic. That's a really good place to start. Um, the other thing to keep in mind is as you're approaching, um, taking this study from an academic, like taking your interest in this space as an academic experience into a work experience is that you have to sort of anticipate, um, uh, it's like a paradigm shift. It's a mindset difference in that when you think about work in the work environment, you have to almost have a little bit of business smarts and understanding the structure of and how businesses are run so that you can begin to uh, visualize what is the um, level you'll be entering into this, you know, a business structure or program structure. And that will help you determine, okay, am I looking for an internship and what kind of exposure would that give me? What kind of um, um, ways? Because when you get into a company, you're going to be navigating the existing structure inside of that mm-hmm. company and the leadership and the, you know, some of the politics and how things play out. And it's a different mindset of just thinking about your interest in an academic setting, which you've done a thorough and really wonderful job at. So one of the things that I would love to help and support you with Mia is exploring what that mindset different is. Okay. Now taking your, your passion, your interest in the field, and then now taking that, encapsulating it in to a lovely, uh, you know, well-wrapped box with a beautiful bow on it and placing it inside of an organizational environment and maybe even a government agency, because mm-hmm. if you're in the field of, um, you know, helping youth avoid criminal justice system, you're going to be either interacting with um, government agencies in some capacity as maybe even in a nonprofit organization. And so there's some other sort of workplace cultural elements that you'll need to be prepared for. And Mm -hmm. being surprised by that can may tarnish your work experience. So one thing that I would love to do is just help you begin to visualize and understand going from the academic setting into the work world in your mm-hmm. field and what some things that you might be experiencing in that process. So I think we're ready for our first break. So we'll go ahead and pause this conversation and we'll come back really, really soon. So Eric, if you can take us out to our next break and, um, we'll be back. We'll be right back. Everybody stay tuned for more of the Dr. Katie show, free career advice for the people. And if you've got a question today, feel free to give us a call at 425-373-5527. We'll be right back. 
having a crappy work experience, the complexity of the work environment can undermine your efforts and create a crappy work experience for you and your team. Develop a thoughtful approach to managing the complexity so you could be a better leader. Book a private coaching session with Dr. Katie Rovere to unmask your blind spots for a better work experience. Act now because everyone deserves a better work experience. Visit betterworkexperience.com to book a private session with Dr. Katie Rovere to unmask your blind spots through a transformative coaching experience. Listen to live career advice on The Dr. Katie Show, Thursdays from noon to 1 p.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick and proud aunt. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. One in six. That little girl sitting alone at the playground, she can't play like the other kids. She doesn't have the energy because she's hungry. School lunch will be her only meal today. It breaks my heart that this is the reality in our country, but it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. This food is then provided to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about using your imagination, learning, and having fun. These children shouldn't have to miss out on simply being a kid because they're hungry. To find out how you can help end childhood hunger in your community, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Broaden your horizons. You'll be amazed at all the topics we cover on Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome back to the Dr. Katie Show, free career advice for the people. We are taking calls today at 425-373-5527 or 888-298-5569. Now back to Dr. Katie. Thanks, Eric. And yeah, go ahead and give us a call if you if you have a, a question. Um, in the meantime, we're going to jump back into our interview with Mia. And uh, we're talking about uh, her approach to pursuing a career to um, help youth uh, avoid the prison system. And we were just talking about uh, the sort of different mindset uh, we need to have when we're going from an academic setting into a work setting. And so what Mia was explaining is that she is uh, become really passionate uh, on her on her path on her path, has become passionate about um, youth diversion programs uh, and the prison, the school to prison pipeline and how to mitigate um, some of the um, terrible things that are happening with youth um, right now and uh, make some improvements for the future in that space. And so what what my role here has been is to really help me think about transitioning from the academic setting, that academic mindset where you're so deeply in, entrenched in the data and the history and the, the numbers and the projections and all of that to how do you get into a job into this industry, into this field, so you can actually make a contribution and make a difference. And so um, I think this is an applicable experience for many people out there who are studying right now and want to transition that work into a work, uh, that academic work into a a work experience. So Mia, uh, how has your experience been so far searching for a job in this field? 
Um, it's been pretty good. I think it's a field that um, you need to have some experience in. Like, I don't think I can just graduate and someone will be like, oh, yeah, we'd love to hire you, which I think is the reality of a lot of situations. Um, having internships is very important. Showing that you've worked in the field is very important, um, especially in this type of field. Um, and I have done a little bit of research um, in what is out there and what is available right now. And a lot of it is, you know, being a probation officer or working as a program manager or things that aren't exactly what I'm looking for. Um, and I think part of it is like kind of finalizing what it is that I want to do and, and how I want to do that. Um, and I think part of it is kind of creating my own position um, as, you know, a liaison between the youth court in, you know, California and other juvenile justice departments that want to create a youth program in their own, you know, juvenile justice system or, or working, you know, the people that I work with in Spokane are, um, they work in electronic monitoring, which is anklets um, and diversion. So, you know, kind of working in that kind of setting where it's almost like a program manager, but not exactly because it's not like a program that outsources. It's just like dealing with the kids that are on anklets and, you know, making sure that they're staying on top of their probation terms and things like mm -hmm. that. Where it's, you know, like we were talking about it, it's almost like an operations manager or a, you know, a program manager, but through a state department. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're, you're headed in the right direction. I think one thing that's super important, and I'm just taking some notes of advice and I can send that to you, this to you after the show so that you can sort of tinker away at this, um, in between your classes <laughs> for the next <laughs> year. But, um, yeah, I think your, your viewpoint on that is really good. I think you're going to want to know what types of roles, what kind of positions you might apply for. And that's directly, that's kind of felt like where you were going, which is like, what's the role inside of a company that will allow me to do the work that I want to do. The mm -hmm. other, the other mindset, um, that I want you to start looking at is what are companies, organizations, nonprofits, government agencies that have a mission or a vision or are doing work that I believe in and just start documenting where are those organizations, why you're interested in them. And maybe they're doing just a fraction of what is getting you excited about this field, but still write them down. So start a spreadsheet or Google sheet or something in a journal where you can track over the next year uh, which companies are exciting for you because you're going to want to also track where are they located. Um, mm -hmm. what, what, um, how big, how big they are because size of organization is going to be important because I, we're going to jump into it, but listeners haven't heard the kinds of contribution you want to make. Mm -hmm. You may or may not be able to make that type of contribution right out of the gate. 
I don't want that to discourage you because once you get your foot in the door at a company that you believe in, you believe in their mission, you believe in what they stand for, you think and you understand they're making a big difference in this area and you feel like you want to be associated with that. Those are really good positives. You might not be able to launch the programs that you want to launch right away, but what you're looking for is what is that environment where I can begin to thrive and begin to get my feet wet and really what understand and experience what it's like to make a contribution in that field. And from there, that's an awesome jumping off point. Then you can make connections with people and you can begin to uh, throw around your ideas for the programs that you want to create in the field and the ways you want to make a difference and start organizing with people who have similar passions as you and making connections and so forth. So yes, look for what the role is. It, I, I highly doubt, I mean, uh, I shouldn't say I highly doubt, but it would be really wonderful and then both surprising for you to get a program manager job right out of college with no prior program management experience. I know that any kind of operations manager or management role uh, holds a lot of responsibilities. There's budgeting, there's sometimes managing other people, and there's an incredible amount of responsibility and accountability that, you know, depending on the company and the organization, they may not want to hand that off to a new grad, but maybe they do, depending on your capabilities and your way, your ability to demonstrate, yes, I can do this kind of work even mm-hmm. though I'm, you know, 21, 22 years old at fresh out of college. So we can work on that a little bit more later if you'd like um, in terms of the role or the level. I think shooting for an internship in the company or, uh, yeah, in a company or an organization that's really interesting to you is a really good place to start. You could even start as like somebody's assistant. And then when, mm-hmm. you're, when you're somebody's assistant, you have – the viewpoint of the whole arena. You have a broad brush stroke view of everything that is going on in this org environment. You know who they're working with. You know how things get paid for. You know where the funds are coming from. You know where the funds are going to. You know what goals they measure and are they measuring goals that are aligned with your values in your career. So a lot of things can be good for just entering in as a, somebody's assistant. Um, and I entered in, uh, I worked for a really large organization for 10 years and I entered in at a very low entry level position and was able to build a very successful, fulfilling career that led me ultimately to my dream job, which is you know, being on the radio, doing this work with you. So mm-hmm. you starting somewhere off of that fire that's burning inside you, this passion that's burning inside you on this space right now is a really, really good place to start. So mm-hmm. do you have the ability to start documenting your, the companies that are interesting to you, the organizations that are interesting to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. Because it sounds like from our conversation today and our previous conversation, um, I think we talked yesterday, that mm-hmm. there are a couple of organizations like the 
uh, the youth court is one. Um, and then there was the other one, um, up in Spokane, Washington. I think it was the juvenile mm -hmm. justice department. Yeah. So maybe write down reasons why those are places that you would like to work and then just start mm -hmm. building up on them. The other thing I will throw out there is, uh, you could, if you don't find anything that matches your passion, you could start your own company. You could start your own mm -hmm. non, you can start your own nonprofit. Um, if you have that entrepreneurial spirit inside of you now, and you feel a calling towards that, turn up the volume and look into that further because sometimes it's great. I mean, for me starting my career, I knew I was really passionate about the work experience, but I didn't know why yet. It was a great choice for me to start my career in HR in a large company. And that ultimately led me, you know, I just kind of followed the cookie crumbs to my ultimate goal, which is here now. But, you know, sometimes we just need to turn up the dial a little bit more on those whispers. Do you feel like you have an entrepreneurial spirit and you want to maybe start your own thing? Do you have that much clarity right now? Or are you thinking you want to go into a, an organization and join a cause that's already in progress? Um, I think, I think a little bit of both. I think, um, the youth program in California is super interesting to me. Um, and I would love for there to be other youth programs and other diversion departments. Um, and so I think, you know, I've talked to the director of the program about starting one in Spokane, um, and hopefully through my internship, I'll be able to create more connections and talk to people who are interested. Um, I've already started to reach out to some people in um, the juvenile justice department here in Spokane. Um, so I think a little bit of both. I think taking what youth court has already created in California and bringing that model and that and those statistics and that success um, and presenting it to other departments. Um, we talked about this a little bit in our conversation yesterday, but about how Spokane is a very poor community. Um, and so the demographic of the kids that I see in the juvenile justice department here are vastly different from the kids who are entering into youth court in, in California. Um, and so I don't know what the success would be here. Um, but there's a, there's a story in the youth court of, um, there's a large immigrant population in Marin County. Um, and there was a story of these two boys, they were twins, they were raised by the same parents, same situation, same background. Um, and one of them went into youth court and one of them did not. And the boy who went into youth court just graduated or is graduating from college. And the other one who did not attend youth court is in prison. Mm. Um, so there's, you know, very, there's strong evidence that this is successful and that this works. And so I think part of it is taking that program and then working my way through different departments and seeing if that is something that they would be willing to do, if that is something that they think that it would be beneficial to their, mm -hmm. to their department. Um, so I think it's so a little bit of, from your knowledge right now, youth court only exists in Marin County. Um, the youth court in the way that I understand it exists in Marin County. And I think that there are other programs in California and there's, there's diversion departments probably in every juvenile justice department um, because they are juveniles. And so they do try to divert them from ending up in detention. 
But I think that the uniqueness of youth court is that it engages everybody. It's not just, you know, it's not this poor, you know, 15 year old boy who got caught up in, you know, his older brother's scheme to sell drugs, who's now standing in front of a judge going, I don't know how I got here. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's this young kid who's standing in front of his peers who are asking him questions, who want to know why he did this, who wants to know what his motivation was, who genuinely want to help this kid be a productive member of society. You know, I was explaining to you yesterday how youth court works. So it's a, it's um, a jury of, of your peers. So it's kids 12 to 25. Um, there's however many kids show up can sit on the jury um, every, so the student who's in trouble goes and sits at the front of the room as you would in a normal courtroom. Um, and every person, every jury member gets to ask two questions at the very least. Um, so, you know, what's your family like? What's your home life like? Do you go to school? Do you do well in school? Is this your first time offense? Have you done something like this before? You know, has your brother asked you to participate in other illegal, illegal activities? So things like that. And then the student who is the prosecutor will present what they think is fitting, um, a fitting punishment to the crime. So it's either one to five jury duties and then 15 to 50 hours of community service. So then the jury will talk amongst themselves, okay, we think that, you know, this is kind of serious. So, you know, let's do, you know, four jury duties and 50 hours of community service. So once that is announced to the court, um, there's a social worker who is the person who keeps that, that person on track of, of completing their so They're it's punishment. real. I mean, youth court it's is, it's real. They, they do get yeah. some sort of punishment for what they've done, but it's a diversion from, okay, you get, you know, three years in juvenile detention. Exactly. And it's not probation. It's not community service. So another part of it is asking the, the person who's in trouble, what would you want to do with your community service? So it's mm -hmm. not just saying you got to go stand in a yellow vest and pick up trash on the side of the freeway because that's going to humili humiliate you. It's asking that person to be engaged in their community and to be a part of their community and to do something that means something to them and not just, you know, okay, here, we're making you do this. So, you know, now you're angry that you have to do it. Now you're not, now you're not engaged, but the goal of youth court is to engage these kids in the community and then to make them be the judge of their peers. Right. So now you sit on the other side of this, you get to sit and say, okay, like now I understand how my action was probably not the smartest thing. You know, now I'm sitting here, you know, understanding it from a different point of view because I'm not the one on trial for whatever it is that I did. And so I think that it's, it's unique in the way that it engages the people and, you know, kids who were kids who, who got in trouble with youth court come back after they're, they've completed their time to be a part of this program because wow. it is so powerful and because it changes their lives. And, yeah. and it's, it's a group of people in a room saying we care about yep. your future. And that, that may be the first time that that person has ever heard that before. And mm -hmm. that is a really powerful thing to be a part of. And it's not just saying, okay, here, you did something bad, but it's not that bad. So we're going to give you this to do instead. And mm -hmm. once you complete it, we don't care anymore. You know, there's, there's this creation of a family, of a community, of a support system that's different oh. from a lot of diversion departments that exist now. I'm, I am so energized by <laughs> the way that you're describing this program. I think based on the lever level of enthusiasm that you have, I think 
definitely digging in more, uh, doing some more research on your end about youth courts, diversion departments, what types of programs they're offering. I think that's going to be a really wonderful and fulfilling place for you to go with your, um, with this field, start there. Um, the other thing I want you to start doing Mia is think about, okay, all the wonderful things that the youth court does. So write down all the ways that they help these individuals, uh, avoid going into the prison system, but what are all the programmatic elements of youth court that deliver an experience for this young person. Now, Mm -hmm. once you have all of those, think about what it takes to make it happen. So you're Mm -hmm. thinking about the back end, the administrative part of setting up formal business structures and management operation structures to make that experience come to life in a, in any community. So the back end of administering and facilitating youth court, what does that look like? What are ways? So let's use one as an example. And this, the reason why I'm going here uh, with you is because it's going to take your excitement, your enthusiasm from an academic experiential mindset into a work mindset. How do we manage? How do we operationalize? How do we facilitate this? So what's that mental framework that you need to start building now so that when you go out into the work world in this space, you can pull it together really easily and you've built some momentum there. So what is one experience a youth has in youth court that you think is critical, most important, top important? What is one thing? Um, I would say probably the, the community that's created. Okay. Okay. Probably just like the, the fact that other students are showing up in the, in a manner that's not like, oh, I'm here to judge you, but like, right. I'm interested in helping you. Okay. So take that. So the community that's created of peers, so a peer mm-hmm. community. So if you were administering this program, a youth court program in, let's say Spokane, there's not one in Spokane right now. Mm-mm. Where could you source peers, their peers? I mean, I think the first place to start is with you know, seeing if this is even something that, that the juvenile justice department would be willing to partake in. That's part Um, of it. That's part of it. But what I'm trying to build is your muscle of operationalizing something. mm -hmm. So it'd be, first of all, it'd be, you know, checking and seeing if it's something that would be feasible. And then once that is something that's cleared going into, I guess, schools primarily, um, and seeing, you know, if there's some way that you know, you could get community service for participating or, um, where do you find volunteers? You would go into the school system and where you would need to build relationships with those exactly. schools and have a sign up for people to volunteer. So going to local high schools, local middle schools, even, um, mm-hmm. depending on the age range that you're looking for. So that is one example 
of how to take the mindset of um, how to build a muscle of making this an operational thing in a community where you live today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a different mindset. So, so imagine when you sit down and you are reflecting on our conversation today, what I would love for you to do, and I think it would be really beneficial is to imagine the local juvenile justice department said, yes, Mm -hmm. they said, Mia, we love your passion. We love your focus. We would love for youth court to exist in Spokane, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. exist today. What I want you to do is write down what you would do first, mm-hmm. what you would do second, and start to imagine implementing an experience like this up in your community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think also another um, aspect to this is that I am involved in the community of Gonzaga. And part of the youth court is that there's like people who do a training to be the, 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 the quote unquote lawyers, nobody's trained, but they represent whoever it is. Who's, um, they're actors. They're acting as a lawyer. (laughs) Exactly. And then there's the bailiff who also is another student. So there's, there are people who, who require training and you can, you can choose to do the training and then not be involved if that's how it It sounds like networking is going to be super important. Exactly. And so being a part of Gonzaga's community, like I think there's even the potential to have, you know, a club where the kids, you know, the, the college age kids are, you know, the people who represent the courtroom and they get to be involved in it. And then, you know, outreach to students, there's plenty of, you know, clubs and activities on campus that involve working with kids. So working with middle schools and high schools. Um, so mm-hmm. having us be the, the mentors or the, you know, the, the people who do the training, and then have these other kids, if they so please, they can do the training, but have them be involved and have them, you know, we can meet before or after and have a conversation about what we experienced or, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that, where it can be something that's established after I leave. Like, you know, if if a club is running at Gonzaga, then there's the chance that it'll keep going instead of you know, having to pass it down to another person, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there'll be members who were there when I was there and then they can become the higher ups. And then, you know, you know what I wonder schools, it's, it's creating a lasting impact yep. that doesn't, you know, that has some backing by the school. Yep. It needs to be sustainable. And I'm glad that you're thinking mm-hmm. about that. I know we talked about this already, but this is a big problem in the country, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Prison diversion programs, youth diversion programs are, I mean, related and connected to so many agencies uh, and governments and companies. God, and they're probably filled with people who have been working really hard for a really long time. And there's probably a lot of politics and, and bureaucracy and cyclical funding and fundraising mm-hmm. and a lot of complexities that make it a really challenging place to make a difference. So mm-hmm. I am really curious is what are, what is, describe the contribution in general that you want to make to this field. Um, I think as we talked about the other day, I think if, if at the end of this, you know, 50 years from now, when I choose to retire, whatever, when I keel over in my office, um, 
I would hope that at least one person has been impacted by this. You know, if it's just one person who went, you know, Mia was pretty cool and she really helped me. Like that's all that I need at the end of the day. I think that a lot of times young people set their goals so high, you know, it's, oh, I'm going to change the world and I can do everything. And, you know, obviously like I love that mentality. And I think that, you know, changing the world is important, but I think that it's about setting little goals. And like, if I can change one person's life or create one program in one, you know, diversion department or change one person's mind about the reality of the situation right now, then that's, then I've done my job. And, and again, it's about awareness. It's about, you know, every time I have a conversation with someone, it's like, Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Okay. Like now, you know, what can you do about that now that you know? And, um, we talked about a little bit the other day about, um, having, you know, some sort of social media presence, um, some, you know, a website where people can find statistics, but, you know, you tell one person and then they tell another person and then that person tells another person. And then there's, you know, five people who know about it or, you know, or 5,000 or 500,000. Exactly. And it's about slowly changing Mm -hmm. people's minds and having conversations about it. And that goes for any hard topic. You know, there's, Mm -hmm. we live in a society that likes to push difficult topics under the rug because it's easier to ignore it and pretend like it doesn't exist than to have an open, honest conversation about it. And I think that, you know, if at the end of my life, all I've done is have open, honest conversations with people and do the best to get this thing that I'm passionate about across to people, then that's my contribution. That's so cool. I'm so inspired by you. (laughs) Thank you. Seriously, like you are such a a wonderful woman. And I mean, just hearing your whole journey and your path this far, I mean, it's cool. It's cool. I I think if there's anybody out there who's listening, who um, has a connection to the the field that Mia is working in um, and you want to make a connection for her, uh, I would gladly uh, pass along the information. You can email me at Dr. Katie at betterworkexperience.com. That's D-R-K-A-T-I-E at betterworkexperience.com. And um, I think Mia, you have such a bright future ahead of you, no matter what you do, even if you get re-inspired for a different subject and you go down a different path, I think no matter what your ability to um, evaluate situations and, you know, and your passion to make a difference in the community and the people's lives in the community where you live, I think is a really powerful, wonderful thing. Um, a couple of things that I wanted to chat with you about and share, um, and just in terms of next steps for you, you have about a year and a half to your graduating. I think this is a really good time to start to articulate, uh, what, um, we talked about this earlier, um, start up a Google sheet and, or a Google doc and just title it, you know, career exploration and capture down. What are some organizations that you are interested in working for? Mm -hmm. Uh, What are some positions inside of those companies that you might find interesting or fun? Who are the people that you know inside of these companies? Where is the company located? Mm-hmm. How big are the companies? Um, how big is the company? And just start to just to be open 
to learn more about the space. So, you know, if you're, if it's the juvenile detention center in your, your community where you live today, put that down. Who are the people, you know, inside of that organization, um, and just start documenting them and just ask around for further, um, introductions. One approach, um, which is an action I want you to take as you start to capture and catalog this information, you know, in preparation for graduation, what I want you to do is I want you to draft an email introduction or maybe even an elevator pitch. And the email uh, introduction is going to do a couple of things. One, it's going to describe who you are, why you're passionate about and what field you want to work in and a description of, you know, why you think they can help bring insight into that. And what I want you to do is invite them on an informational interview. This is a really good way and technique to get in front of somebody who's working in an organization that you want to work in or that you believe in and, or potentially doing a job that you're doing, uh, that you would like to do sometime in the future. So Mm -hmm. what I would like you to do is if you can have one informational interview in your related field per month until you graduate. So work on that. You want to do one informational interview a month until you graduate and Mm -hmm. how you conduct those interviews is really important. So you're going to want to, um, just ask them, what's your career story? What can you tell me about, uh, that would be helpful for me to explore a career like yours? And mm-hmm. just in, invite people in. That's going to okay. be a powerful way for you to build a strong network and to get clarity on the kinds of work you're going to want to do. Other tips uh, that I think would be useful in the next 60 seconds is um, you need to build up your resume, showcase your skills and interests, um, get mm-hmm. some practice doing job searches, build a LinkedIn page to tell your story. Of course, you're, you're on the show today. You can share a link to my podcast. This is, will be recorded and placed in the podcast for the Dr. Katie show. You're welcome to use that for advertising your skills and, um, good luck to you, Mia. Thank you so much for being on the show. And, um, I'm sure you're going to have a really wonderful work experience, um, by putting these steps in place early. So take care. Thank you. I appreciate having being on the show. Yeah, you're welcome. Take care. And thank you everyone for listening out there. And we will see you next week on the Dr. Katie show. Mm